0: lamenting beliefs i'm cam along with nick Uh, no keith today but we're here we're recording in back-to-back weeks (laughs) what a world nicholas what a world it is yeah two out of three ain't bad i did keep you waiting a little bit here um I had one of those meal kits. You ever get? You did the meal kit thing, mm. you know, Hello Fresh or whatever. Have you done that yet? Meal kit for
1: me is like pizza pops in the microwave. Bud. <laughs> um,
0: just just whip one of those up, and it took me a little longer. They tell you it's gonna be thirty minutes, and it's a fucking hour guarantee. But <laughs> it's uh, it, it, it's done. It, it, it was also a situation where like you know forgot to. Skip it for the week, so it we didn't even pick out the meal, so it was, you know, a little pork stir-fry action. It was, it was pretty good, but uh, uh, I'm here after uh, a little bit of a delay. Um, And the Leafs are done with their Sweden trip. Uh, Two wins under the belt and in fine fashion. (laughs) Keith's not here for us to, uh, you know, kind of shine praise on him for nailing that William Nylander was going to pop five points (laughs) in two games in Sweden. That's exactly what happened. He was the star of the show, just like we all expected.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we talked about it on last week's episode. He was like the star of the show. Before the, any of the games got underway, right? Uh, he just he, he was totally embracing everything that went along with being kind of the the hockey rock star over in Sweden, and it was very evident that that's what he is at this stage of his career. Uh, but yeah, you you couldn't have scripted it a whole lot better. I mean. Uh, The first game on Friday against Detroit was a a really sleepy outing uh, for the first 40 minutes from the Leafs. I I didn't think the wings were particularly good either, mind you, but uh, it was that second line led by William Nylander in the third period that completely flipped the game on its ear and, and, you know, willed the Leafs to a, to a third period comeback and uh, a big win over Detroit to start the Sweden trip. And, and then what do you say about Sunday? like, at, at what point, when Nylander got that puck after the Morgan Riley block, did you feel certain that he was scoring? Because for me, it was as soon as he, like, cut to center ice and then back outside it was like he's scoring here like there was not a doubt in my mind
0: it was when he basically sized up marcus johansson <laughs> yeah. you could just see him look directly at him i could basically hear the water boy quote in my head there's my bitch <laughs> <laughs> and he just roasted him and yeah as soon as he kind of sized him up and cut over to, to his wing I, I knew it was over
1: yeah and how many of those goals has neil scored in the last couple of seasons like that power move that he's got to cut across the crease now like he's just he's so strong on his edges and he's just so strong overall that once he like he sticks that leg out and drops the shoulder it's almost impossible to stop when he has even you know a quarter of a step on the guy that's trying to stop him and yeah it's just been a the, the entire trip was a continuation of the way this season has gone for Nylander that so far he's just he's been dominant and right up there in the the upper echelon of you know the most elite players in the league
0: yeah he, i mean he's been incredible all year i feel like we've let off just about every podcast we've done all you know, three of them this season uh, talking about, (laughs) you know, William Nylander and Austin Matthews to a lesser extent when, when he's been going off. But I mean, it's, it's just a consistent theme. Like it's, and it's, you know, it's exactly what we've, what we've wanted to see. Right. It's, it's, that's kind of been like where the, the frustration I think with Nylander earlier in his career kind of came from was that, you know, we've now seen this for like, what are we pushing 20 games now? And and it's every night. And it's like, you know, it, it, We all knew as as soon as he gets to that point where it's every night, it's, it's superstar status and no looking back. Yeah, the question
1: was never whether he had this ability in him. It was whether you were going to see it on a, a consistent basis. And he's been as consistent as anybody in the league. He's got a point in every game so far this season. And he's just, he's really just reached an entirely different level this season. And it's, it's all on the back of the skills that we've seen him put on display ever since he entered the league.
0: Yeah. He, I mean, he's been awesome. Um, and, you know, we, we talked a little bit last week about the lineup and, you know, the line changes specifically and, and it, obviously things have continued to mesh nicely and, hard to look too far beyond that second line really getting it in order as you know the the thing that's kind of uh, been driving the Leafs here a little bit obviously Nylander is a huge part of that but you look at Tyler Bertuzzi I mean as I noted like I was on a trip and I had kind of a couple of weeks where I was just fully dialed out so having you know the the Tyler Bertuzzi of early mid-October in my mind and then coming back and, and, you know, seeing what he's been these last few games night and day. Yeah.
1: Well, I, th- I think it, it's fair to say that those two games in Sweden were Bertuzzi's best as a Leaf thus far. And I just, it seemed like he was just kind of rounding into form. And I don't know if he was battling something earlier in the season, you know, whether it be a combination of some kind of nagging injury and just trying to find his bearings in a, in a new spot with a new club. And, you know, kind of getting shuffled around the lineup a little bit, but he was, he was great, especially in that game against his old team, the Red Wings on Friday. He was, he's kind of got this reputation as a greasy physical player. He's not necessarily like a high volume hitter or anything like that, but he does have the ability to, to really catch a guy once in a while. And I thought he was using his body and his strength really well in that game against Detroit, just really engaged. And I, I thought it, it was really evident, you know, uh, when he set up Tavares for the what went on to be the game winner against the Red Wings, like the little Felino leap after Tavares banked that. I mean, like we talked about Nylander having a smile on his face all week over there in Sweden doing all the media and things like that. We haven't seen a smile on Tyler Bertuzzi's face as big as the one that we saw during that game against the Red Wings. And I think rightfully so. He he played a fantastic hockey game and just really played to his strengths and is really kind of just starting to find his place on that line. And I think he was a huge part of the the success there. Yeah,
0: it makes you feel like he, he had to have been dealing with something early in the season. And uh, how nice was it to be on the uh, receiving end of a Justin Hall donkey brains play? <laughs> what, what a what a nice feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen that go uh, the other way a lot of times over the years. Uh, don't want to crap on old Hall or too much there. I think he, he probably got more than his fair share of that during his time in Toronto. But yeah, a, a little bit of... Uh, poetic justice in a sense there and especially when you when you account for the fact that it was Bertuzzi doing it against one of his old teams when you know we've seen that movie the other way around a lot of times too over the years uh basically it's a pretty safe bet most times when uh, the Leafs are playing against a a former player you can slap a couple bucks down on that anytime goal and it's probably going to pay out more often than not so it was really cool to see uh Bertuzzi Again, having his, what was probably his best game as a Leaf thus far against his old team and, you know, being crucial to picking up the two points there. Sticking with the Sweden thing for a minute, Cam how cool was it to see Matt's so involved with the team again? Oh
0: man. Yeah. Uh, that was great. Uh, it was awesome to see. Cause I mean, Matt's is like, you know, Matt's has always been like a really private guy and yeah. you know, the, that relationship feels like it's, it's been a little frosty obviously, you know, with, with how things ended. Um, so it, yeah, it was, it was so nice to, to see him kind of getting his shine properly. And I was yeah pretty fired up to see him doing the, uh, the pregame lineup in the dressing room, and yeah, it was it was awesome to see them really get him involved. The
1: fist pump when he was coming onto the ice uh, after Sunday's game to yes. to announce the uh, first star, the player of the game, hand out the the fancy Rolex to Morgan Riley. It, you know, he still got that fire in there, and you know, like uh, of course he he's admitted as much. Like he still watches the games. He's keeping tabs on the team. So it, it was it was almost it was like a nice trip down memory lane for for guys of our vintage, you know, we grew up on mats. Right. And I think maybe it took him for granted a little bit or, or didn't really appreciate what we had uh, in those years. And it, it made me go back and just kind of look at some of the numbers again from from his years with the Leafs, and you know, you, you contrast it with some of the uh, the other players uh, on the team in those years and the numbers that they were putting up. I mean, Matt's is Mister Maple Leaf, and it's been long overdue to have him kind of at least on the periphery of the organization again. So it was really cool to see.
0: Yeah, I, I really hope that this kind of signals a, a much greater um, kind of synergy going forward. You know, we would love to see him. There's a
1: bit of smoke around that yeah. now after this Sweden trip. I don't know if he's going to be like, a you know, a regular member of the front office where he's living in Toronto or anything like that. I think he's, he's pretty happy and content with what he's got going on back home in Sweden. But, you know, he could be – added in some kind of advisory role or special assistant or, or anything that's just kind of keeps him involved with the organization I'm on board with.
0: Yeah. 100%. Uh, you mentioned Morgan Riley, you are, uh, working on a piece or you've got a piece that maybe will be up by the time we're should be, hearing should this be up by
1: the time people are hearing this,
0: yeah. um, about Morgan Riley and just the season that he's having. And, um, you know, it, it feels like it's, it's been a little, quiet but i mean we always say that that's that's what you want from a defenseman right
1: yeah and i mean that definitely hasn't been the case uh for morgan riley for a lot of his career right um i mean w- when things are going well for this team he never is really at the top of the list of guys getting credit for that and, you know that's often handed out to the other stars on the team you know austin matthews going out and potting a hat trick or willie being on a 17 game point streak or you know, Mitch Mariner, being on a hundred point pace while being one of the best defensive wingers in the league. And and I I just, I got to thinking it's, it's kind of due time for Morgan Riley to, to get some of that credit, especially with the way that he's played this year. I started digging into some of the numbers, uh, like advanced metrics. And there's, there's one um, that's called goals above replacement. Anyone who's a a baseball fan would be, familiar with the war metric wins above replacement this is kind of like the hockey version of that and it's you know it's imperfect as all of these metrics are but it's the idea is to kind of assign a number and capture a player's individual impact on his team's success it's broken down into offensive goals uh, above replacement and defensive goals above replacement And, you know, looking at the numbers over his career, it kind of backed up a lot of the narratives that have followed Morgan Riley throughout his tenure. Always known more as a a puck mover, offensive, kind of risk-taking defenseman and not so strong in his own end. And, you know, the, the numbers bore that out looking over his career, the 10 seasons that he's played prior to this one. He's always come out as a net positive player. And that's always been on the back of his offensive contributions. He's never in his career graded out as a, a positive goals above replacement defensively kind of player. Topped out at like negative 0.4 in his rookie year. Obviously, there's probably some usage that played a part in that. I don't think he was playing the kind of minutes that he's yeah. he's playing at this stage of his career. But looking at his numbers for this year, He's currently tied for the the 10th best mark amongst NHL defensemen in defensive goals above replacement. And overall, he leads all NHL defensemen in goals above replacement, just slightly ahead of Quinn Hughes, who just so happens to be having himself a a pretty decent season out in Vancouver. Uh, (laughs) Leading the league in scoring uh, three quarters of the way through November is pretty impressive for a defenseman. So I just think... It, Riley has really kind of quieted his game down and I think it, it's great to have those numbers but just watching him it, it's kind of apparent right like you mentioned how quiet his game has been we're not seeing that all or nothing kind of flying up the ice making ill advised pinches and the the other thing that's really stood out to me with Riley this year is the the neutral zone defense and just kind of giving up the zone a lot less easily than he has in the past we've seen him kind of Angling guys off more frequently, keeping that tight gap and just, you know, not allowing those clean entries as often as he always has before. And you, you look at a guy like Morgan Riley, what does he do best? He skates incredibly well. He sees the ice well and he can snap a pass around. So when you've got a guy like that who is now limiting those controlled zone entries for the opposition, forcing dump-ins and stuff, he can utilize that skill set to go back and retrieve these pucks and quickly turn things up ice. And I think we've seen a lot more of that this year. And yeah, for for a guy like Riley, who has just done it right his entire career, has been a consummate professional, one of the most respected leaders that I can ever remember, you know, having in this organization, at least from an outside perspective it's just it's it's due time that he's given credit and recognized for just how important he has been to the team's success thus far especially with everything else that's gone on on the blue line so
0: far well and you know when when you kind of lay it out that way it it almost it- seems like it, it makes sense, right? It's like a natural transition for a guy who, as you say, has been like such a good company man over the years and, and, you know, just kind of does things the right way. And, and like, eventually he's going to, you know, develop into that more responsible guy. And, and, um, you know, I, I, definitely had my doubts whether or not that would that would ever happen at, at points in, in his career but I mean you know if, if he can kind of become that guy that uh, you know a, a younger partner maybe a more offensively inclined type of defenseman not necessarily more than Morgan but just a you know an offensive defenseman that that can have him as you know that veteran presence to kind of lean on like that's when things can get real dangerous. Uh, when you got two of those guys up top, like if you know we get to a point where Lilligren ends up on that pair at some point, and, and you know you got two guys who can really move the puck, and, and Morgan is kind of more relied on to to maybe be a little bit more conservative. And and uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, it gives you a lot more options.
1: Well, that's the thing with Mo too, right? Is like he's always just done what's been asked of him. You think back to when Tyson Berry was brought in and things were really going poorly for him in the early going and recall Morgan Riley kind of sacrificing his spot on the top power play unit just in order to try and give Berry something to feel good about or, Allow the team to kind of employ him at what he's best at. And, you know, even this year, coming in with John Klingberg being the guy to take over the top power play unit, a unit that finished second in the league last year, you know, a, a lot of guys could look at that and say, well, why am I getting taken off that unit? We were pretty damn good last year. We were pretty damn good the year before, too. But he's just always done what's been asked of him, never pouted. And as you said, just been a company man, been a team guy all the way through. And I just think it's it's like the fully formed version of Morgan Riley now, right? Like, he, he's he got that experience. He's got the maturity. And he's just he's, – he's really come into his own. And I think his overall game is just at a level we haven't seen at any point in his career. And it's just kind of carried over from the playoffs last season where he was fantastic. That's what I was
0: just going to say. It's like it's – yeah, it's – I mean, he was so – good and, and you saw that like more kind of settled more calculated th- more dependable yeah exactly and, and yeah yeah it's it's like you say it's it has just really um it, it's like something clicked there and and you know he, he's kind of come to the realization that this is maybe the way forward you know and, and that's exciting
1: yeah he's like completely limited the the overly risky decisions in the offensive end And he's not getting that top unit power play time as consistently as he was in the past. I mean, that's going to change now with the Klingberg situation, of course. But he's still on pace to match his career high in points that he put up. I think it was 2018-19. He scored 20 goals, finished with 72 points. He's on pace for the exact same overall point output. And, And that's while improving his overall defensive game and not seeing as much power play time so yeah he deserves a ton of credit for what he's done this season and it's kind of scary to think where the team would be without the way that he has played thus far given everything else that or that's gone on with the blue line. yeah
0: well um good good way to uh transition because <laughs> might be a little more power play time perhaps on his plate uh, going forward um yeah. you know we talked about john klingberg a bit last week and obviously a lot of question marks around him and I mean, nothing's really been answered, but it, it does seem like there's a lot more clarity, and I I feel like yeah. it kind of seems like uh, this might be the end of the road, at least for his time as a Leaf. Um, t- a lot of talk about uh, a bum hip, and you know, maybe it's surgery, and maybe we're we're talking LTIR Roby Dot Island. I don't know, but it uh, doesn't sound good.
1: Well, it really seems to be trending that way, and I mean, what was it like a week ago or a week and a half ago? Now I said to you guys in the group chat that I'm almost not even like concerned about Klingberg and, and the cap hit anymore just because it seems so inevitable that it's going this way, the LTIR route. And I think that's only been amplified even further with everything that's gone on in the last you know week or more. Uh, especially like you, you see a Swedish guy go over to, to Sweden for this Global Series and he can't get in the lineup there. I mean, if, if he was able to push through and play that last game against Vancouver, you would think that if this was even remotely possible for him to play he would have been suiting up at home in front of friends and family and you know we barely got a glimpse of John Klingberg the entire time the team was in Sweden i think he he skated with them for 5 or 10 minutes one day before he left the ice so uh, there's a lot of smoke around it right now like all the 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 big insiders you've got you know Sara Valley, you've got um Darren Dreger all these guys talking about the the potential of Klingberg not playing for the Leafs ever again and heading to LTIR. So definitely a situation to monitor. And, you know, with the way they hate to kick a guy while he's down, and it's obviously terribly sad if this is the result of an injury that's really kind of derailed his career to this point. But the fact of the matter is it, the Leafs have benefited from Klingberg's absence in the lineup just by simply putting in someone who's a replacement level player and William Lagason. So yeah, it, it's unfortunate for the player, but the, it, it seems like things might be breaking uh, the way that the Leafs kind of need them to, if they're going to be able to upgrade this back end as the season goes on.
0: Yeah. It's going to be something to follow here going forward, but yeah, um... I mean that was something we were talking about like how is how's tree living going to going to get out of this one and and uh it seems like um it's it's not going to be too difficult uh, you know the the concern might have been going to have to attach a draft pick yeah what uh, you think back to the
1: Matt Murray thing uh, in the summertime when it was announced that he was going on LTIR and there you know that that raised a lot of eyebrows uh, <laughs> in opposing fan bases and the the argument was like you can kind of look at any of these guys and a a medical professional is going to be able to point to something, you know, especially a guy who's been in the league 10 plus years or whatever, he's going to be able to point to something that is at least inhibiting that player's ability to play at the top of their game. And that could be enough for a, a team to, to make the case that the player should be going to LTIR. And I think, you know, with the way things have trended with Klingberg, It it wouldn't be too difficult for for one of the team doctors or, you know, even an an independent doctor to to look at his hip issues or what have you and and say, you know, like, this guy is not able to perform at the top level required of a professional athlete given his health right now. So it it definitely seems like it's trending that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, Something else we touched on last week a little bit was – Fraser Minton and Easton Cowan and the potential for them landing at the World Juniors. The Athletic put out a projected uh, World Junior roster for – Uh, all the teams i believe but uh, specifically for team canada that had both minton and cowan on both scott wheeler and Corey promen's list so um love to see that specifically like uh, you know i was talking about that fourth line energy role that's where both of them had cowan but you know as we said still still impressive uh, if if that ends up happening for uh, a guy of that age so we'll 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 be keeping an eye on that well
1: even to be in the conversation given you know like just think back a few months right like This guy was labeled a reach. Like, why the hell are the Leafs spending a first-round pick on this guy? Well, it's really starting to look like they knew something that everyone else didn't. Because this kid has been absolutely... He was dynamite in uh, Traverse City for the Prospects Tournament. He was dynamite in Leafs training camp. And he's been otherworldly since going back to the OHL this season. So... Yeah, just a, a meteoric rise and a player that Leafs fans should be incredibly excited about.
0: Uh you of course have your prospect roundup each week at yeah. uh, the Leafs Nation. Um Dennis Hildeby another guy who I know you've been talking about a bit he's you know we we've we talked I feel like a fair bit about the Russian goaltenders in the system yeah. but uh, not not a whole lot about Hildeby and he's been
1: pretty good he's been excellent uh I mean he's only gotten into 6 games for the Marlies so far this year and you know the, the Marlies as a squad overall are kind of hurting right now with, with some of the injuries that they've suffered and then guys getting recalled to the Leafs and things like that. So Hildeby hasn't had a whole ton of help in some of those starts, but through six appearances, he's rocking a nine forty one save percentage. Uh, I picked up his first AHL shutout and followed it up with another one. Uh, this guy's just, he's super interesting for a lot of reasons. Like he's kind of been on the fast track, right? He's, he's a player that went undrafted in his first year of eligibility. Um, the, the Leafs scooped him up the following year not only did they scoop him up they traded up into the fourth round to get him and then what was it like two or three days after the draft they had him signed to an entry-level deal which is just yeah n- not something you see very often for any fourth round pick never mind a goaltender or a, an overaged goaltender and yeah like
0: like two three months after the draft you almost exclusively see the first round picks getting yeah. signed you know
1: Yeah, so it's like this was very obviously a a player that the the Leafs were dialed in on and they had made a, a priority heading into that draft. And, you know, given his age and never mind his freakish physical makeup, the guy stands at like six foot seven. He's 230 plus pounds and he's a little bit older than the other Leafs' goaltending prospects. Uh, you know, even though he was drafted after both Okyamov and Peksa, because of you know going unselected in his first year of eligibility, so he's a little further along in his development. Um, of course, he's already performing extremely well in the American Hockey League, so he's he's definitely, I, I think, got a leg up in, in terms of the goaltending prospects in the organization. And you know he's just he's done everything that the Leafs could have hoped for to this point. Uh, You know, going back to the numbers that he put up in the Swedish league last year, and even in his draft year before the Leafs took him. So um, definitely a a player to be really excited about. Of course, development is rarely linear, especially with goaltenders. So there's going to be bumps in the road here. But when you look at the athleticism, the the pro experience that he's already got at the age of 22. And the fact that he's just a fucking giant, like it's really not hard to forecast this guy being a viable NHL option within a a couple of years, uh, maybe even sooner if he continues to play the way he has.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. It's it's nice to have a few guys who could be guys in the pipeline. You know, it feels like it's been a while uh, as far as I mean. Obviously, you've got Wall who's performing nicely here, but you know, it it just feels like you've had like one guy. at any one time for the last decade and uh you know it's like ian scott and then it's wall and now it feels like you've actually got a a little bit of juice you know beyond just one Well, there's
1: some organizational depth building up right and like that's so crucial for a team like the leafs that is as top heavy as they are right i wrote about this earlier in the season not uh, in regards to the goaltenders but more in regards to the guys like Nyes, Minton, Robertson, Cowan, et cetera, and how important it is going to be for this team's long-term success to be able to inject some of that homegrown talent, get that surplus value out of these entry-level deals. And yeah, it's just as important, if not more important, to, to keep that pipeline flowing and net. And you know, for the first time in a really, really, really long time, it seems like there's finally a bit of depth there in the organization. Hey, Nick, you want to remember a leaf? Always. What do you got for me this week?
0: i don 't know if you want to remember this one just oh. the way this this last few minutes of conversation has been going i I mean my mind is just pointed towards one guy and i don 't know if if you 're on the same brain length here but uh you uh you remember Jonas Gustason
1: <laughs> how could you not I think the monster may have even uh, made a couple of appearances uh, over on during the global series there. Did he? I, I didn't realize that. I don't know if it was you know super public facing, but I, I think I've seen a, a few people posting selfies you know who were over there for wow. the trip and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, the monster was hanging around. Uh, he probably hung around Toronto a little longer than he should have when he was here initially. <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah, remember the hype that he came in with?
0: And he he it, hung around the NHL for a while, too. Like yeah. I'm looking at his page here, and he, he spent more time bouncing around after he left. Toronto than he ever did with the Leafs. So, like, I'm like, what? Obviously, what were the Leafs thinking? Well, what was every, everyone else thinking? That was, how, how old was that he was when he came times. over?
1: Because I'm just thinking back to like the hype.
0: 25.
1: Yeah. So, like, that I think that kind of speaks to just how thin things have been in net for the Leafs, at, at, not just at the top level, but like as an organization for so long, right? Like, you can think of the guys that they've actually drafted and developed and brought into the league. It's like Felix Potvin than James Reimer, <laughs> you know, like there, there's a, there's a significant gap there. So like the monster came over with so much hype, but this is a guy who, you know, didn't receive any real NHL attention until he was what, in, in his age 24 season or something like that. So he was never going to be able to, to live up to, to the hype. And especially given the state of the rest of the Leafs roster at that time, you know, he might have had a chance if there was any semblance of, of a, a decent team put together in front of him. But yeah, he, uh, he wasn't exactly set up for success coming into Toronto.
0: 9.32 in 42 games in the uh, Swedish league in the regular season. In 8 09 before he came to the Leafs. 12-1, uh, and 1, 961 in the playoffs. Jesus. <laughs> Which might have had something to do with it.
1: Yeah, no. Got to I mean, get that guy over. <laughs> yeah, you can't fault anyone for being interested in 13 bringing that guy games
0: over. Oh God! That's all I need to hear. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a tough time. I mean, that that guy would get pucks shot at him, and they would squeeze through, and it would defy the laws of physics. It was like a it was like a precursor to modern day Jack Campbell in the AHL. Oh God! <laughs>
1: it just right before we started recording, uh, it wasn't Jack Campbell, but Stuart Skinner was starting for the Oilers this evening. We're recording on Wednesday night. Uh, Skinner was during the warm-up kind of shuffling along the center ice you know how the goalies kind of they'll both kind of post up around the center ice line do their little pre-game stretch yeah. routine sort of thing like that well Skinner absolutely ate shit as he was heading towards the center ice line, spilled onto the other side of the ice. And uh, Nick Alberga uh, from the Leafs Nation as well, he, he put out a tweet of the clip and said, "This is a microcosm of the Oilers' season, and I just thought it was spot on because, man, what a mess the goaltending situation is out west.
0: Here come the Oilers, baby!
1: Oh man,
0: they're always coming." <laughs> All right, Nick. Thanks for this. Uh, we'll, we'll get Keith back in the loop uh, next week. Yeah.
1: Finally, hopefully get back to some regularly scheduled Leafs hockey here. It's, uh, it's been a thin couple of weeks. The, the Sweden trip was really fun. Uh, it was definitely different getting up to watch a Leafs game at 8 or 9 in the morning. Uh, not something I really want to get used to uh, with two small <laughs> kids running around home. I had to uh, do some serious negotiating on Sunday morning to get the the main TV onto the Leafs game. There, I ended up having to uh, build a, a Lego Meowth. So, uh, okay. A- any Pokemon fans out there? uh my, me. My, my two girls are completely obsessed with Pokemon right now, which you know I'm I'm not entirely upset about. Uh, kind of taking me back down the memory lane as well. Uh, it's been fun to kind of get back into that with the kids, but yeah back to the the 7 p.m eastern puck drops please and thanks
0: that's right um chicago on, on friday kicks off a little back-to-back on the road to get uh, things back underway here in north america and that's an afternoon game and then you just straight eight o'clock atlantic all the way through the end of the year at, at that point so that's beautiful uh, that'll be nice yeah love seeing that thanks buddy right on goalies